Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is your moment. Your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Coming up on Roland Martin on the field to the Trump administration. Oh, they're really optimistic. And Jared Kushner said what they did was remarkable in the best in history. I'm sorry, a million COVID-19 cases, 60,000 people dead, and they're praising themselves. Yeah, lots to talk about. Diddy causes a stir by saying black folks must hold their vote hostage. Democrats must own up and pay a ransom in order to get it. We'll break that thing down with our panel. Also, comedian Godfrey is in the house. It's Wild Out Wednesday. We might well have some fun as well. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin on Filter. Let's go.
All right, folks, here's a breakdown of coronavirus as it stands today. Uh, a total of 1,049,431 cases of coronavirus. At least 60,000, now 60,640 people have died from coronavirus. 144,411 patients have recovered from the virus. Now, as we continue to move forward, New York State, Andrew, Governor Andrew Cuomo breaks down the status uh, in New York in terms of where we stay with, with COVID-19. Here's what he had to say today. Hospitalization rate ticks down. Good news. Net change down. That's good news. Intubations down. That's good news. COVID hospitalizations, new ones per day, just about flat. That's not great news. Actually, up a tick. So that is not good news. What we're watching now is how fast the decline, how low does it go? We don't want to see 1,000 new cases every day. We'd like to see that in the low hundreds, ideally, of new cases every day. Death rate, terrible news. 330. You see the decline has been slow at best and still disgustingly high. So we're making progress, that's for sure, but we're not out of the woods yet. All right, so what's also interesting here is you have the experts who keep saying there should be more testing, there should be more things uh, that are being done, but for some reason, you got Donald Trump who's like, I don't really see why that's even necessary. Folks, they're all over the place. Uh, they're not really listening to uh, the true experts. That is a problem uh, all across this country. Uh, and so, uh, and, and this morning, I, something really interesting uh, happened. Jared Kushner was on, and uh, he, he literally said that states have excess capacity. Yet we talked to the states, they're saying, no, we don't. This is from Fox & Friends this morning, Jared Kushner. And now, you know, everyone's talking about testing, and I have to say that the work that's been done over the last... 60 days on testing has been absolutely extraordinary. We're at about 5.8 million tests now performed, by far the most in the world, and you're going to see that number continue to accelerate. We're starting another round of calls with all the governors today to ask them what additional supplies they need, what's their two-month plan, what's their six-month plan, and right now we fulfilled all the orders that the governors have. They have excess capacity in their states. Yesterday, Governor DeSantis was saying that he has more testing capacity than he has demand uh, for the tests, and so uh, we're really doing quite well with that. And I always find that we see the leading indicators and, and often the media sees the lagging indicators, but the leading indicators are testing are extraordinarily positive. Uh, and I'm very confident that we have all the testing we need to start opening the country in accordance with the safety guidelines that President uh, Trump, uh, the Vice President, Dr. Burks, and Dr. Fauci laid out uh, on April 19th. Yeah, you mentioned... And okay, now, okay you know, I mean, I'm confused. Uh, we have enough testing? But that's not what the experts are saying. My panel is A. Scott Bolton, former chair, National Bar Association Political Action Committee, Eugene Craig, CEO, Eugene Craig Organization, Dr. Cleo Monago, political analyst. Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. What, what, what the hell are they talking about? I mean, it's <laughs> they are literally painting a picture that is completely different from what everyone else is talking about. And I mean, polls are even showing that 80% of Americans say they're not going back out 
because they're not comfortable with where we are. We, de we have not tested enough people. It, it's political propaganda. That's all it is. And, 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 and it's, this is a medical issue. This is a pandemic. And they're propagandizing people's health and their lives. And by the way, let me clarify one thing when you're listening public or public watching, that where the government says, we've, we've done more testing, we've got more supplies, we've got more everything than any other country. Yeah, you got more uh, disease than any other country, too. You have more corona than anybody else, and you waited 70 days before you started addressing it. It's like you were part of the problem, and now you're celebrating that you're part of the solution, except one problem. You got, you got millions of, I'm sorry, hundreds of thousands of people, I think 50,000 or 100,000, who have passed away. And so you, you're telling the public half the story, not the full story. And until we get a vaccine and until everyone can be tested, there is no logical or scientific reason to go back to work. Those shops in Georgia and Florida, they're empty, other than a few Trump supporters. Think about it. <clears throat> okay, and here's the other piece. Uh, listen to Eugene, listen to what Jared Kushner also said on the Fox and Friends this morning. And again, we're on the other side of the medical aspect of this, and I think that we've uh, achieved all the different milestones that are needed. So the, gov the government, federal government, rose to the challenge, and this is a great success story. Uh, and again, we're on the other side of the medical aspect of this, and I think that we've uh, achieved all the different milestones that are needed. So the, gov the government, federal government, rose to the challenge, and this is a great success story. Um, uh, Eugene, I'm sorry. More than a million people test positive? <laughs> More than 60,000 dead, and th th this is a 26 million unemployed. Um, I'm sorry, can you please explain to me what's a great success story? We're not getting Eugene's <laughs> audio. Okay, there we go, Eugene. I'm, see, I'm not the only one. Sorry, there, there, is, there is no success story here. Um, you have 60,000 dead, which is more than uh, that died in, in the Vietnam War, all right? Uh, if we're looking at testing, the issue is that we don't have enough testing. All the experts are saying that we need millions of tests per day. We've only probably had about, we've had about a million tested. If the other thing is this, if we're looking at where we do have actual data, like, you know, the, at the, the New York Police Department and Fire Department, you're seeing where 17 and 24 percent of their workforce has the virus. And these are people that interact with people every single day. So if you're seeing 17 and 24 percent within those confined groups that interact with people every single day, you're probably seeing much, much greater numbers. Um, you mean, I mean, if we had full scale capacity, you probably would see numbers of 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 million people that have already contracted the virus. But the issue is this. It's not a success story. Jared Kush out there, I mean, they want the Fox and Friends, but that's the only place that will accept that 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 rhetoric and propaganda from them. Um, but you know, the thing is, it's up to voters to hold Trump accountable. Uh, Cleo, again, um, great success story. This is not a success story. And see, what they're doing is they're saying, well, the initial models were saying 100,000, 240,000 could die. So, oh, just 60,000 died. So, success story. Well, as we all know. Trump and his administration are running for president, are hoping to get four more years. They're concerned that what they might look bad if they don't say that they are doing well. And it's important to understand that Trump's rhetoric has worked for him. Trump is being Trump. Trump made up lies, and, and there were other news stations, including you, 
who had documented his lies when he was running for president. So he's doing what he does. Now, of course, there's people in the society, including among his constituents, who are suffering. But as I've said before, power, retaining white power, retaining people who have a white, great, making great America again agenda, staying in power, is way more important than coronavirus and its casualties and the facts of the matter. And the facts of the matter has never mattered to this party. And unfortunately, in some instances, it has worked for them in terms of the way they portray themselves. People say, okay, okay, well, it sounds good. I mean, I've heard people applaud Trump, even after at hotels, et cetera, after he lied and just sounded ridiculous. Uh, Matter of fact, there's people on his cabinet right now who look at, who look at him sideways when he's speaking, like this, the woman that's over this whole coronavirus project. So we'll see what happens when the election comes up. Yeah, it, it, is, uh, it, it is quite amazing to watch how all of a sudden they are redefining what is success. The reality is this, Scott, they're pulling, Trump's pulling numbers are way down. Uh, there was one story I read coming in where he was yelling and screaming at his campaign manager on Friday for his failing poll numbers, but it's because he was running his mouth at news conferences and constantly lying to people. I mean, what you have here, this is just the real deal here. What Donald Trump wants to do is he wants to shove everything to the states and say, yo, I'm good. I'm good. I did everything. <laughs> I'm good. I'm playing. Y'all let me know what you need. That's why this whole deal, we're the backstop. We'll get this here. They do not want to assume any responsibility for this, and they want to blame, and here's going to be the first thing, Democratic governors, Cuomo, Newsom, uh, Pritzker in Illinois, uh, the governor in Michigan. That's what the game here is. It's not to act actually save Americans. That is not the plan here. No, and it never has been. Remember, the 70 never. days. 70 days they waited. They created the problem, and now they want to be seen as saving America from the problem that they, in large part, created. So that's the first thing. The second of all, when you wait 70 days, you cannot lead at that point. And so the most convenient part is we're going to be a backstop for the states, and then he can blame the governors as he blamed China for withholding information, as he blamed the World Health Organization for not being uh, allegedly honest. But the buck stops with the federal government. The federal government should be leading on this effort. They've certainly got more money than the state. And what you're getting on the ground from the state governors and some Republican governors is completely inconsistent with what the press conferences, the information from the press conferences. And wouldn't it be ironic and fitting that the economy has tanked because they waited 70 days, the information that they're sharing isn't the truth on the ground, so his supporters and his detractors are being affected by it. They're not testing the people that they say that they have tested. The revenue, or rather the resources, aren't on the ground unless uh, in some states there are. And so this is all. This is something that that Donald Trump cannot politically run away from. It sits right in his lap, and it'll be interesting to see, notwithstanding the polling, how many people—Republicans, Democrats, and Independents—blame the White House. I haven't seen the recent figures, but some of the figures I looked at two or three weeks ago that the blame was sitting, even with some of his supporters, on his lap because it's been documented what he did wrong. The virus doesn't care about politics or Donald Trump. It cares about infecting people, and you can't politicize or create false facts or fake facts 
to beat this virus. This virus is winning until we get our arms around it. Uh, and look, uh, again, at the end of the day, what, what, this is the real motivation here, Eugene. Only thing <laughs> Donald Trump can run on is the economy. And he is so desperate. He is so desperate to be able to say the economy came roaring back. See, stock market's going up. That, that's it. That's it. He knows. He can't run on nothing else. That's it. Came up and, and look, and, and look, look. This is what you're seeing, right? Um, through the poll release today shows he's down in Texas to Biden by one point. Every other poll, every other poll that's come out over the last week has shown him down to Biden in multiple places by five or six points. The economy is is done for the year. I mean, you know, the GDP report that came out today, you know, the economy shrinked five percent, and and job losses and folk filing for unemployment skyrocketing week in week out. And so his only thing that he could have run on was the economy, and, and and that card is out the window. So you know he's 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 you know freaking out because he knows that you know without and the only the only positive message he possibly could have presented, you know he has nothing to run on. You know so he's putting pressure on all these red state governors to restart their economies. But you know what he doesn't understand is that forcing these restarts early will actually cost lives, and a lot of those lives will be Trump supporters. Uh, Cleo, I'm sitting here looking at um, the New York Times, and it says the U.S. coronavirus death toll is actually higher than reported. According to CDC, CDC data suggests total deaths in seven hard-hit states are nearly 50% above normal. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's, what, that's what the CDC is saying. Uh, when you look at these numbers, and they're talking about uh, New York State, New Jersey, Michigan, Massachusetts, Illinois, Maryland, Colorado. Well, this is to be expected with a respiratory virus, a virus that's transferred through spittle, through breath liquids, and people breathing, and so not everybody's wearing masks, and no one knows when they first came in contact with coronavirus. So I think that we're still going to be hearing more and more, as you have just showed us through, with, with that data. But I think it's interesting, when you go back to Trump, is to understand that he has never been able to admit fault. He has never been able to admit when he's challenged. He's always used rhetoric and talking about how wonderful and how great and how excellent and how beautiful and how perfect things are to come off as winning. He's always been able to talk his way through things. And I'm not sure, because the man was a crook day one in 2016 and before when he was running, if, if, he could, if he'll lose. I mean, obviously, statistically, it looks like he's going to lose because, as Eugene mentioned, he can't work on, he can't use the economy anymore to say, look how great I am. But we're being logical again. And logic is why people thought that he was not going to become president in the first place. There is some conscious or unconscious concern among his constituents and people who don't allow themselves to be known to be part of his constituents about white people staying in power. But at the same time, Biden is white. Biden is running, and Biden is not particularly affirming of black people in demonstrative ways while he's running. As you know, they're talking about hoping that he picks a black woman. That's a whole other topic. But the bottom line is that, getting back to Trump and this virus, he lost. We lost. And the reason that, in the very beginning, it took us so long to jump aboard and take care of this is because, again, he's very concerned about how he looks. And he didn't want to talk about any tears in what he was doing, and here we are. But we will see, and it's still a mystery from my perspective, if that's going to matter when it comes to the next election, even though Biden is an older white man, too. So that helps 
that will help in terms of creating some real competition for Trump. All right. Yeah, but Roland, one, you know, yeah. one other thing is he can't grow from that 40%. He couldn't before, but he really can't now because of the economy and this pandemic. I uh, gotcha. All right, folks. Um, what role does vitamin D play in all of this? Tyler Perry dropped this video uh, yesterday, and I said, you know what? Let's have this conversation uh, with the doctor. So this is what Tyler said yesterday on his Instagram. Talk about something that's very serious. And listen, this is not a cure for COVID-19. Please hear me clearly. This is not a cure for COVID-19. Um, but I have a, a bunch of my doctors. Um, I talk to them quite often. And my dermatologist in uh, L.A., Dr. Programs, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, and we were talking about vitamin D. And for, for me, my vitamin D is low. It's always been low. Uh, for most African-Americans, it's low. Um Everybody that I know who goes to the doctor regularly, all the black people that I know who go to the doctor regularly, their, their vitamin D is low. And why this is important is because it's about immune health. Vitamin D helps with immune health and respiratory health. And um, what I read in a study out of Spain and Italy and China is that a lot of people who died from COVID were low in vitamin D. Now, listen to me. I think that if America were this entire nation was keeping record of who was dying and if they were low in vitamin D or deficient in different areas, we would know it. But apparently no one is keeping a record, which is insane to me. So why am I saying all this? I'm saying that I think that because we are African-American people, we are naturally deficient because of the melanin in our skin. It, it uh, blocks out vitamin D, okay? It blocks out vitamin D and for the most part, not all of us, I'm not saying all of us, but a lot of us just don't like to be in the sun. And that's where vitamin D comes from. It comes from the sun. So please, please see your doctor if you can or call them when you're doing telehealth or what and ask them about checking your vitamin D. Don't want anybody to go to the hospital right now. I know it's really difficult to, to do, but a vitamin D supplement is very, very helpful in, in just immune health. So I've been telling everybody I know, take your vitamin D. Dr. Grimes would be very happy that I'm telling you this. Because we as black people, we got to take care of ourselves. Now, now listen, not just black people are, are deficient in vitamin D, but we are at higher numbers than others because of the melanin in our skin. So vitamin D can help with immune and respiratory health. So please take your vitamin D. God bless you guys. Stay safe. Um, I love you. We'll talk soon. All right, joining us right now is Dr. UTB Essien, core investigator at the Center for Health Equity Research and Promotion at the Pittsburgh Healthcare System. So, Doc, you heard Tyler Perry talk about vitamin D, what, what folks are saying, what they're seeing in Italy. Any truth to that in terms of the United States? Is that uh, an impact here? We also, of course, with, with the craziness we heard last week with Trump talking about the sunlight and the body and can we shoot the, shoot the light on the inside out, all that nonsense. Dr. Burks did also say the importance of the role the sun can also play in impacting this virus. Please explain. Sure. So first of all, I applaud Tyler Perry for staying attuned to the um, Italian Chinese literature. Um, I think there, I see noted the immune system does play an important role in managing any virus, whether it's this novel coronavirus or the influenza virus. Um, and when patients present to the emergency department or end up in the intensive care unit with a severe respiratory infection, vitamin D levels are really not a, a laboratory test that we check. Um, just because by that point, it, 
doesn't necessarily influence or or further um, change the course of the infection. I think as has been suggested, and not just by um, him, but other commentators, vitamin D levels, vitamin C, all of our, our natural vitamin levels are really important to keep on top of and are, are just a part of the prevention planning that we advise any patient during this crisis. But I, I would hesitate to say that vitamin D is the be all and end all of this pandemic or the reason that it's, it's disproportionately infecting individuals of color as we're seeing right now. So when you heard Dr. Birch last week talk about uh, the role the sun plays in this, what about that? Yeah, so I think that that may be important. And as we know, the data around so many different um, processes, whether it's actual um, medications to treat uh, an acute infection or, or being prevented by the sun, we just don't know given how early we are in the stage right now. Um, I know we've we've heard about ultraviolet light and light affecting um, and being able to clean surfaces, but in terms of its role in preventing individuals from actually um, both preventing the, the disease as well as treating the disease, we just don't have that information right now. So uh, one of the points that's very interesting when Tyler made that point, I think back to the conversation I had with Dad Gatsby. Dan Gatsby, of course, uh, many folks know, was he's, he's the um, widow of uh, uh, B. Smith. And when he uh, was going through his prostate cancer battle, uh, he well, I ran into him on the streets of New York, and he was like, Roland, he said, same thing. Uh, he said, man, st get that sun. He kept talking about vitamin D as well. Uh, and and I, so and it was interesting. He just kept, he said, no, he said, man, he said, I said, look, Dan, I play golf, so I ain't got no problem being out in the sun. Uh, I said, I'll be in, in, a, in a sun for a four or five hour golf round. He says, good, because too many of us aren't getting enough sun. Uh, make sense? No, I think that that's right. And as we know, the fact that we are not getting enough sun, I don't think is just because we don't like the sun, as was mentioned earlier. I think we know just in the middle of this crisis that um, individuals of color are more likely to be essential employees. Those employees aren't typically working out in the sun. They are behind um, in offices. They are working in, in maintenance roles or janitorial roles or even within the health system. So unfortunately, it's not a luxury that many of us have to be able to sit out in the sun. Um, so I think that's one important point to make. But I certainly agree that as much as we can, we need to get out there and um, and practice healthy living, whether it's getting out in the sun and exercising, whether it's eating healthy to be able to uh, obtain the majority of the vitamins levels that we need. Um, so a healthy diet is generally going to get us enough of the nutrients we need without needing to supplement it in any way. Um, but of course we know we're, we're being asked to stay home as much as we can right now. So being careful and cautious about um, going out as much as we can would be great. And I, I will also note that um, Tyler Perry mentioned that individuals should try and stay out of the hospital because for to get this um, vitamin D level checked. And um, I, I am approaching that comment with caution as well. If individuals are sick, if they have chest pain, shortness of breath, any really scary findings or, or symptoms, please call your doctor if you have one. Please um, show up into the emergency department. Um, more and more data are showing that individuals with heart, heart attacks or chest pain, for example, 
are staying out of the hospital during this crisis. And, and that, I think, eventually is going to be as scary as the deaths from coronavirus. Well, unfortunately, we also see in the stories of African-Americans trying to get, go, go to the hospital, get tested, being turned away. Let's see if my, uh, my uh, panel uh, has any questions. I'm going to put you in a four box here. Uh, let's first go with uh, Cleo. Any questions for Dr. Essien? Questions. Well, um, I didn't have no, any no, no, questions. No, 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 no. A question. One. A, a question. <laughs> okay, well, um, I didn't have a question, but I will ask, reiterate, or ask, Is I'm not sure if he's saying that vitamin D and the issue of biosynthesis is relevant or powerfully relevant in this issue, or is it marginally relevant in terms of deflecting the power of the immune system suppression that, that supposedly is we're at risk for because of melanin, which supposedly blocks the sun. Right. No, that's an important question. And today we don't have any large studies or small studies to show that vitamin D levels are associated with um, higher mortality or higher rate of getting infected. Um, as was mentioned, having a, a whole healthy immune system, both on vitamin D levels and all of the other levels in our body are important. Um, but at this time, I don't believe that um, clinicians or researchers are advising that individuals stock up on vitamin D to boost up those levels, nor are they advising to make sure you check those levels. Um, we continue to advise a healthy diet, eating, eating our fruits and vegetables, exercising as much as we can, whether it's getting out in the sun to do that or otherwise. Um, but the data right now are not supporting yet to, to boost up with additional vitamin D levels, if that's helpful. Eugene. What are some of the, uh, I guess, are there any other alternative ways to uh, consume vitamin D other than like natural sunlight? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, our, our diet generally has an, an sufficient nutrients. I'll have to defer to some of my dietitian colleagues in, uh, in this realm, but we are able to get sufficient enough vitamin D through our, our diets. Many of us are eating dairy, some of us are not, but um, dairy has sufficient vitamin D. Um, again, as has been mentioned, many individuals of color have lower levels because of melanin and need or require supplementation. But if today you have not been advised to do that, um, I'll continue to recommend that you, you work with your diet. Um, I'm a primary care physician and vitamin D levels are not um, a test that I generally check in a patient unless mm -hmm. they're coming in with concerning enough findings to do so. Scott Bolden, final question. Hey, hey Doc, uh, Scott Bolden here. Uh, I have personal experience with this vitamin D issue. Uh, I would, I agree with you. If you, you certainly can get vitamin D from a number of, of food and uh, supplies if you're eating a healthy diet. Uh, but I, my doctor, you know, a simple blood test where the doctor directs you on what they want to test, vitamin C, vitamin D levels, all kinds of, a complete workup of your blood indicated that I was deficient in vitamin D. And so he put me on uh, vitamin supplements of about 5,000 milligrams of vitamin D uh, and I've been on them for the last three or four days, um, three or four months. And now after COVID, I'm going to go back and see if that raised my level of vitamin D. And so uh, none of us are spending enough time outside. Uh, I'm not a big milk drinker, but the supplements I find, I mean, I, I, I don't notice them other than the fact that I take them every morning and uh, I presume my levels will go up. Uh, that doesn't mean I, I'm not going to get COVID or anything, but 
uh, your patients, if you go to your doctor and, and, you, and, and they, you do a full blood work, if you will, you can see what your vital numbers are across the board. It's really a fascinating process. And then obviously you can get supplements if we're not going to get enough through our diet. So uh, I'm on them right now. You don't notice them physiologically, but I'm taking them because of the doctor's order. I urge everyone to get a full blood workup once, once a year or once every two years just to see. So uh, I appreciate your leadership on this issue. And you have a comment on what I just described or what I was prescribed by my doctor? No, I think that that, that sounds right. And like you suggested, I, I similarly um, recommend that anyone gets in to their doc once or twice, um, either annually or biannually. As yeah. we get older, certainly prefer to see, see folks annually and get that full lab checkup. Again, the, the vitamin D level is not a, a regular check, just as right. the um, kidney tests or the other salts in the blood are. Um, but yeah. certainly if your levels are low and that recommendation is, is needed, I, I support that, what your doc is doing. Um, and like you a said, a it's, really a, it's usually a simple pill to take. All yeah, right, then. Your A1C level. So thank you very much. All right, Dr. UTV, uh, and I appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Oh, all right, thanks a lot. All right, folks, uh, let's go to our next story, and that is House leaders will not bring lawmakers back to D.C. for work next week after being warned by the congressional physician about the continuous spread of the coronavirus in D.C. and its suburbs. That means they will continue to be on the sidelines <laughs> while Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell brings his chamber into session to process Donald Trump's judicial nominees and start work on a new coronavirus relief bill. First of all, let's just be real clear, uh, Eugene. They, are, they don't give a damn about that relief bill. <laughs> Mitch McConnell, is, he's all about the judges. He does not want there to be any delay whatsoever in confirming far right-wing, largely white male judges. That's right. Listen, Mitch is concerned about power, all right? That, that it comes down to one thing, one thing only, power. Um, and look, he will confirm these judges if he was the only senator on the floor of the Senate. He's considering it doing the world a courtesy by recalling the entire Senate back to the chamber. But let's make no mistake, if it was just him and another senator calling the question, he would still get it done. Um, and so that's what it comes down to. I mean, look, the House has taken you know, the advice of the, of the uh, congressional doctor. Um, and heating it and, and, man and, and maintaining social distancing and physical distancing. But, you know, Mitch literally does not care, even though senators have already contracted COVID-19. Um, but, you know, he, his thing is this. You know, he's going to get it done on his terms the way he wants to do it. Uh, as, that's what this is all about, uh, uh, Cleo. That is uh, pushing the, through these judges. And, in fact, what they've done is they've actually made the federal bench whiter and more white male as a result. Their only concern in terms of distancing is power distancing. P pretty much co-signing what Eugene just said, their focus. And frankly, I'm envious of people who are, so, who are that focused because that's how you get things done. You know, you strategize, no matter what happens, you stay on point and you make sure that you do what you believe is important to do. And I wish the Democrats had that kind of laser beam focus, that scorched earth focus on Power, not not power just for the sake of white supremacy, which is what I think is happening with the Republican Party, but power to influence society to transform in ways that are beneficial to the to the to the you know to the citizens of this country. But they're expected to do what they're doing, and as you know, they've been putting in judges the whole time. And interestingly enough, not even Democrats have put a light on that phenomenon. 
in terms of it being a relentless part of their narrative that look what Trump is doing. Look what Trump is doing to make sure that even if he's not president again, that there's people who are going to be there for decades, if they live long enough, to ensure that there's policy that co-signs a white supremacist agenda. I just wish there was more focus from the, the Democrats to alert the people that that's occurring. And un unlike the Democrats, excuse me, the Republicans who are laser beam focused on their agenda, sometimes the Democrats don't seem to be the same in comparison. Scott, what about that? Uh, Is it about power? Here, here, here's the notice to the public. The most important race in this country coming up in November is not the presidential race. It's the race between Mitch McConnell and Amy McGrath. Right now, there's an internet fundraiser uh, that's going on right now. I gave, and I'm going to continue to give to her because the Senate, uh, the Democrats have a chance to turn the Senate, but even if they don't turn the Senate, if they can turn Mitch McConnell back uh, to Kentucky and Amy McGrath can win that race, uh, and there's several others that Dems can take over uh, uh, because of this uh, this White House, then we need to be focusing on it. I know Biden's important, and I know the presidential race is important, but if we can turn that Senate and turn Mitch McConnell back, that solves a lot of our long-term issues. Long-term issues that solves the federal judiciary. A third of the judges has flipped, and our Republicans now, many are not qualified. And so the real race that we really need to be focusing on is the McConnell race and some of these Senate seats out of South Carolina, I think North Carolina, and a few other states that are very winnable right now. So, well, well um, right, right. It's, it's not just, obviously, it's not just McConnell's. You're talking about uh, Arizona. You're talking about Maine. We're talking about exactly. uh, North Carolina. Yeah. You got two seats on the ballot in Georgia. You got Cornyn down in Texas. Uh, you also have the race in Montana, Colorado. Uh, exactly. you, I mean, Eugene, bottom line is this here. Republicans are very concerned about Trump's numbers uh, because they, they know, and they're saying, hey, they're also getting outraised. You got Jamie Harrison, who outraised Lindsey Graham in the first quarter of this year. Uh, Amy, Amy, Amy McGrath, uh, who is going against McConnell, uh, she's not going against McConnell. They get to have the primary there because you got a brother uh, who's also running in that race as well. So the bottom line, have, so, so Kentucky has not had their primary. So we don't know who the Democratic nominee is going to be, but. Republicans are going, wait a minute, we're getting outgunned, outraised by these Democrats. There is worry among Republicans that they could very well lose the U.S. Senate. Very much so. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Senate's gone. Uh, the, for, for all intents purposes, Senate's gone. Um, between Cory Gardner's seat, Tom Tillis' seat, uh, um, the seat in Arizona, and, and it's literally pick anyone that you want from the remaining. So wait, but hold on, hold on, hold on. So, 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 so right now, hold on one second, one second, hold on. So right now, the Republicans hold, what's the advantage they hold a in four, the United States? A four-seat a four majority. So they have a four-seat majority. Four seats. So the four-seat majority. Yeah. Now, first of all, are any of the Democratic seats, are any of them in danger of them uh, losing any of them? Only Doug Jones. Only okay. Doug Jones in Alabama. So, re so really so what, what needs to happen is the Democrats need to have a five, need to, need to pick up five seats. Because they, they need to net four. Net, net four, net four and win the White House. Or net, or net, th net three and win the White House, or net four and take the Senate outright. So if you assume you have a situation, you have a situation similar to what happened in 2000, where there was a 50-50 split, and for about a year, Cheney was the deciding vote um, in the chamber um, after the 2000 election. Okay. But the way the way things stand right now, Democrats need to flip three and take the White House, or flip four and take the Senate outright. And Got maintain and their seats on the Democratic side. You can't presume it's only one they may not be in danger, but the Democrats have got to hold their seats for those numbers to work, Roland. Well, first of all, the uh, uh, of the, uh, the Democratic seat.
that are that are up. The only one they are really in danger of losing is Senator Doug Jones of Alabama. Right. Yeah. That's the only one. I mean, so the last election was totally different where they had, they, they were in a number of states where Trump won. That was the issue they yeah. saw, uh, they saw in 2018. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they look, uh, Kelly is leading McSally in Arizona. Uh, Collins, her numbers are way down in Maine. Uh, then, of course, you have uh, what's happening in, um, what, uh, first of all, what's happening in, as you look at North Carolina, where the Democratic yeah. uh, uh, challenger is actually Cunningham. up, is actually up on Tillis, and so trust me, Republicans are real concerned about that, and that's the most important thing evangelicals care about. All they care about want- are right-wing judges. That's all they care about, and so that's what qualified we're- or not. Hold on, whether they qualified or not, Scott. I wonder if you believe that the Republicans going to excuse me, the Democrats going to take advantage of what you just recommended. Yes. You believe they're going to do that? No, 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 I'm serious. I mean, I mean, I, here, here's, here's what I think, here's what I think Democrats have finally come to realize. So I'll, I'll take you back to when uh, Democrats previously controlled the United States Senate. Patrick Leahy from, Verm- um, um, uh, from Vermont. Vermont, he, Vermont, yeah. he was very conciliatory in terms of working with Republicans. Then, of course, Republicans, yeah. then Republicans say, well, it was Harry Reid who changed the rules. No, Harry Reid did not change the rules on everything. He did, not, he did not go to the nuclear option on everything. Mitch McConnell then said, okay, fine, I'm going to do the nuclear option on everything. Everything. Supreme, mm-hmm. So Harry Reid's deal is we will not use a nuclear option on Supreme Court justices. McConnell was like, damn that, I will. Not only will I use yeah. a nuclear option on it, I'm not even going to take up, take up Merrick Garland. I really do believe Democrats have learned, and their deal's going to be, gonna... we get the Senate back? Oh, mm-hmm. we ain't paying y'all no damn attention. And this is None. where, and this is where, this is where uh, the Democratic base has to apply a level of pressure if Biden wins to say, no, don't try to run out trying to find these moderate voices to make them happy. Do exactly what they did. You pick yeah. the most hardcore folks you have and say, y'all ain't got the votes. So I don't care. But here is, mm-hmm. the, di- but here is the only caveat that I'll... And, uh, and Scott, you can jump in and answer this here. There are more moderate to conservative Democrats than there are... A- ain't no moderate to, uh, moderate to liberal Republicans. So part of the problem for Democrats that you have some Democratic senators who are from states that uh, they got to play the moderate to conservative game. That has always been the problem. The Democratic tent is actually far much wider, Scott, than the Republican tent. Republican, you're right, far right, hard right. That's it. There's nothing to this side of far right. And that's the difference between the two parties. Scott, answer the question. We're going on next topic. Well, we got to do something about those moderates like Doug Jones. We got to keep them in the fold, but when they're in the Senate or even in the House, we got to protect them. Sometimes they, we won't have their vote, 
but sometimes it won't matter. And so whoever's the leader in the House or Senate who's a Democrat, uh, we got to protect those folks because we get them to vote on most of the issues that matter, whether it's the far left or, or, or middle left of the Democratic Party. But we got to protect them. And that's a management issue from leadership uh, once these elections are over. Talk about uh, power of the vote. Last night, Diddy was having a chat with Naomi Campbell, and he caused quite a stir when he said this. The black vote is not going to be for free. We're going to have to see some promises. You know, what are we getting in return for our vote? Nothing has changed for black America. And in order for us to vote for Biden, we can't be taken for granted like we always are because we're supposed to be Democrats or because people are afraid of Trump. It's whoever's going to take care of our community, whoever wants to make a deal, it's, it's, it's business at this point. You know, we can't trust politicians. You know, so we want to know very clearly, just like Trump made it clear that he wanted to build the wall, Biden needs to make it clear that he's going to change the lives and quality of life of black and brown people, or else he can't get the vote. I will hold the vote hostage if I have to. You said it here, said it first. Breaking first, news. Breaking, breaking news. news. All right, let's unpack that. First of all, that did not sit well with some people. Here were some of the comments that folks made. Uh, Kenny Burns, uh, who uh, is a promoter, he was an influencer, uh, he said, uh, Puff put this statement, uh, Puff, this statement is very irresponsible at this point. The only option uh, is to get Trump out of office. Come on, champ, encouraging people to stand by is not an option. Vote or die. Then he, then he said, that that's what he posted on Diddy's page. Then he posted on his page, you erased my truth. Wow, Diddy, you erased my truthful comment and keep the vote for Trump comments on your page. Then you blocked me, LOL. And you're really going to wait till it's uh, two candidates to say that you're holding our vote? Come on, champ, this is not leadership. What, when, uh, where were you doing the primaries? What happened to vote or die? Trump being put out of office is the only option, period. Isaac Hayes III dropped this video. Uh, first of all, I'm gonna go to Jamie Foxx comment. This is what Jamie Foxx said on Diddy's page. Pull that up, put it, okay, you don't have it. All right, so let's do this here. Play the Isaac Hayes the third comment, then I'm gonna I'm read for you the Diddy comment. We don't have the Isaac Hayes comment. All right, uh, I don't know why we don't have those two things. Let me just do this here, fine. Let me find um, Diddy Diddy comment here. Uh, and it was uh, it was interesting, again, on the, on all, the, all this back and forth that was going on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, right here, here's the comment, here we go. All right, Jamie Foxx comment at the top of the page right here. Um, so I'm gonna take a picture of that and I'm gonna blow it up for you. All right, folks. Okay, so here we go. So here's what um, Jamie Foxx had to say on Diddy's page. Go to my iPad, please. Vote Democrat, the amount of pressure that we put on our candidates are too much. There is no way that anyone can live up to what we think should be a candidate because we want perfection. What I suggest is if we really want to change course, it's about getting behind the values, not the person. The other side won because they wanted legislation. Supreme Court justices, etc. Look at the criteria the other candidate had that was Republican. The guy said grab them by the you-know-what and got 97% of the evangelical vote. That's what Jamie Foxx said uh, in response there uh, to uh, Diddy's comments. One of the other interesting uh, 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 videos that I saw, as I said, was by uh, Isaac Hayes III, and, and he uh, spoke about this very issue, uh, offering up what he said is just his opinion. So uh, go to my iPad, please. About how 
his vote or our vote will be held up for hostage against Joe Biden if there's not something for black people uh, in it to vote for him. I first want to say that I disagree with Diddy. Um, I also implore everyone that heard what he said to disregard his message. And that's just my position on it. I have nothing personally against Diddy. Sean Diddy Combs, we've met a couple times. Um, I have nothing against you. I do think your post was um, arrogant in the fact that you felt you spoke for all black people, including myself, and said that from the whitest town and the wealthiest town in America, Hollywood. You can't have it both ways. You can't live in Hollywood and then also simultaneously represent black people. I just don't think that that's hypocritical at minimum. Um, you are a genius entrepreneur and entertainer. But to use your platform at this juncture in the crisis that we're in is irresponsible. It was thoughtless. And it was unnecessary. I definitely believe that a black agenda is necessary. I, I, I want to say that most importantly, black people have a right to have their demands met, but it's how we go about it. That is the worst execution that will never, ever, ever happen. First of all, we as black people need representation. Everybody understands business. If you have to sue somebody, do you walk in a courtroom by yourself or a group of y'all going to courtroom without an attorney? No, you hire an attorney to articulate exactly what you want in the form of a demand and argue that legally to a positive result. That is what implementing a black agenda is. And politicians are the best way to do that. Not the politician that you want to make change, but the politician that you want to influence change. In Atlanta, box. Georgia, from the civil rights movement up till now, black people have not asked white people for anything. We realize that a bunch of us live around each other. And if we simply get up out of our houses and go vote, that the representative that we choose who best suits our interest, we can put in power and change the laws for ourselves. Not All right, folks, you can go to, of course, uh, Isaac's uh, page uh, to see the rest of that comment. All right. So I got uh, my panel here. Uh, can't wait to hear uh, what y'all got to say about uh, what Diddy, uh, Diddy's comedy is. So let's start with Cleo. <laughs> well, if I heard Diddy correctly, and there was a lot of nuance to what he was saying, he's saying that the Democratic Party, he's saying a few things. He's saying that the Democratic Party has taken the black vote. Well, uh, let, me, let me preface my comments with this first. People going, I, am, I don't support Trump. I will not be voting for Trump. I will be voting against Trump. So let me make my position clear because people are going to be reading the stuff when I say what I'm getting ready to say. The Democratic Party 
for decades have taken the black vote for granted. Black people are consciously or unconsciously analyzing what happened during the Trump years, and not a whole bunch happened for black folks. There are black men like Diddy who have an infatuation with Trump because he appears to have more courage and balls than Obama. And ironically, they're infatuated with his straight-upness as opposed to, for example, when Obama was called a liar during that congressional speech, he didn't say nothing. And we can go on and on with some of the things that have some black people, particularly males, looking at Obama as not particularly strong. I don't support Trump. I don't think he's strong. I think he's nuts. But I do understand how people are interpreting him as a so-called strong leader, even though he's dysfunctional and a liar. People like... Pitt, like Diddy, there's a lot of brothers who are thinking like him, who are saying both of them are both of them have good points, both of them has bad points. They have to prove something to me. That's a real perspective. And I also understand the, the perspective of get Trump out no matter what. But what people need to understand is that everybody has that perspective. Because not everybody believes that what the Democrats has done in concrete terms has been particularly beneficial to black people, have protected black people from police brutality, have black, protected black people from the wrath of the white supremacist agenda of this country. And they don't feel like they've been defended, protected, or even spoken to in demonstrative ways by the likes of Obama and, and other Democrats. So people like Kanye and like Diddy are not looking at Biden and Trump as the devil and the angel. Look at them as people who have both who have devil qualities and both who have angel qualities. And if they don't, and, and if Biden, who's supposedly the, the blackest of the two because of the Obama association, does not demonstratively show and, and articulate things he's going to do for black people that he's going to be able to be convincing about, a lot of black people, particularly males, are not going to vote for him. Oh, Scott, and listen, so Scott, listen, so Scott, so hold on, one second, one second, hold on, hold, wait, 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 Scott, Scott, wait. So, take into account, Scott, what Cleo just said. One, do you believe it is true that Democrats have taken black voters for granted, have not done anything for black voters? And what do you have to say about, again, Diddy saying, hold the vote hostage, go. Well, hold, well, first of all, of course, the Democrats have taken our vote for granted over the years because we don't have, black people don't have any leverage. We don't have anybody to leverage against the, Repo the Republicans but to vote for Democrats. Democrats, Republicans don't have anything to offer black people other than these pro-business black people who don't care about the race question, where racism is number one top five issue for people of color. The Republicans aren't for voting rights. They're uh, abortion rights. They're not for civil rights or human rights. The Democrats are, but they take us for granted because we don't have anywhere else to go. What's Diddy gonna do? You're gonna hold it hostage? You need another Democrat in the race against Biden to have to leverage that type of policy or hostage-taking. So now you're gonna hold the vote hostage against Biden. We're gonna vote for Trump. We've seen what that looks for. So, so it's not smart to say that with your following. What's smart is that we need to negotiate what we want and what our resources and negotiate commitments with Biden because he's going to be the nominee. And compared to Donald Trump, there is no comparison. We have got to vote. And, and Diddy, if you want to hold your vote hostage and don't vote, you're contributing to the vote for Donald Trump, whether you pull the lever or not. It's just that simple. This isn't even hard. 
And so we need to stop trying to leverage something that we don't have. We got to vote Democrat because the number one priority, our political enemy is Donald Trump. If it's no time for this leverage discussion. After the Democrats get in office, let's have that leverage discussion. And right now, let's let's talk to Biden about how uh, the congressman from South Carolina, uh, the majority leader, uh, saved the Democratic Party, saved Biden's nomination. And we need to be negotiating with him right now, not about not voting for him, but about what we're entitled to, what we want, and how he's going to change urban America and the life of black folks. Better, bigger, and brighter, even, even under uh, 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 Barack Obama. How's he going to do it better? We negotiate that now, but we don't say we're not going to vote for you because that'll bring on deaf ears. Deaf ears. Uh, Eugene. Well, I don't think he said he was not going to vote. Second, once, one second, one second. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, Cleo, 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 Cleo. Cleo and Scott, Cleo and Scott, hold on. Cleo and Scott, hold on. Eugene. All right, I got three quick points, all right? The first is this. Um, this is extremely ill-timed and irresponsible on Diddy. I mean, extremely ill-timed and irresponsible. If he wanted to take this stance, he should have took it a year ago when there was an active Democrat primary. And exactly. he could have maybe even played kingmaker within the primary. I mean, mm -hmm. he has the cash. He has the influence. He could have leveraged both to a candidate that he liked or supported. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, all right? Um, we got to look at what's going on with Diddy over the last couple of weeks for what it is. He's fetishizing and bastardizing this space. Um, you know, revolts hurting for content. You know, uh, most of the entertainment industries are shut down right now. So what does he jump to? News, because, you know, in his eyes, it's easy to produce, right? And so what is he doing? He's now taking a stance that, one, will hurt black people in this particular time, but, two, you know, it, it's, it's, just to, it's just to grab headlines and, and clickbait to maybe drive attention to, you know, whatever, you know, show that he's trying to, black news show he's trying to develop. We always welcome more, you know, black media, but this isn't the way to do it. You know, you, you don't fetishize and take advantage of, of, of this particular space that's being curated because it's not as if, you know, they're grabbing voices that are actually knowledgeable on the issues that they, they want to cover. You know, they're grabbing celebrities to come talk about this, this, this stuff, the shit that they, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, so that's the second part about it. The third thing is this, all right? If Sean P. Diddy Combs really wants to have influence and effect within this space, this is what he needs to do. First and foremost, you know, you're wealthy, all right? Do what white wealthy people do if you want to play the same game. Gather some other wealthy folk and throw cash behind candidates. It doesn't have to start with Joe Biden. It can start with black Senate candidates. It can start with black House candidates. It can start with black candidates at the state level or at the state house level. But if you want to actually have an effect on policy and want to hold votes hostage, you need to make sure it comes with dollars to empower candidates that have the ideology or push the policy platforms that you want to support. Secondly, you know, I'm, you know, in my eyes, it's like it's just a play for Diddy to get it to sit down with Joe Biden. But even if that is the case, all right, if that is the case, you need to be organizing black hip hop that that have dollars to to throw cash around. I mean, it, there's, there's, this this game is very very simple, and the way he's going about it is very very trash. Okay, so, 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 so here, no, no, wait, one second, one second, one second. So here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do another round of the three of you, and then I'm going to weigh in. I'm going to go Cleo, Scott, Eugene. Cleo, go. I interpreted Diddy's comments as him not saying simply that he was going to hold his vote hostage, was that he was going to make a decision and that he was going to vote. He's saying that, from my perspective, that 
neither Biden or Trump has his vote right now. And I think that's bothering people who are scorched earth, let's get rid of Trump, period. Let's not think. Let's not critically analyze. Let's not do any of the things that might come from talking about hostage. Let's just make a decision and get rid of Trump. And I think that's problematic because not everybody is clear on what to do because of the Democratic Party's history of not really being powerful on behalf of black people and demonstrably supportive of black people or having a larger list of success stories for black people based on their administration. And that's real. I, I said on your show a long time ago, Roland, that it's not going to be good enough to just be a Democrat. And it's not going to be a good enough to just be against, for some black people, to be against Trump. Whoever is going to get this Democratic support from black people, people like it. And I'm also don't believe in, and I'm not going to get caught up in this, he's rich and he's poor. He's, he's black. And I know some people who don't got no money who have a very similar perspective as P. Diddy in terms of the fact that they're not convinced of who to vote for or not. Or not. And the hate Trump movement, which, which I'm a part of, by the way, but the hate Trump movement is not enough. Because the well, Democratic solution has not been helpful to black people in demonstrative ways for many decades, and they don't see, the, and they see the Democratic Party, as P. Diddy said, as taking black people for granted. And if they keep taking black yeah, people for granted and not doing things that, are, that speak to black people, we're going to be in this conundrum. All right, yeah, but Scott. They, they certainly take, they certainly take the Democrat, the Democrats certainly take black people for granted, but but the Democrats support more of our issues than the Republicans. There can be no political purity test, just like there can be no racial purity test with presidential candidates or any candidates at the federal or state level. We want someone who is going to support us, want to improve the quality of lives of our communities of color, and you take your chance with any uh, of your vote, but your vote is still powerful. Um, P. Diddy, you need leverage. And so I'd like to see P. Diddy, I'd, I'd like to see... Uh, all of these hip hop entertainers, we uh, we talked about some last week, uh, and put their not just their money where their mouth is, but if you really want to make change in this country politically, not only invest your dollars, but register voters, and and more importantly, invest in taking people to the polls all around this country, because that's the answer. If you if you just register to vote, you can't guarantee that the people you register are going to vote on the election day. I'd like to see a group of us get together and invest in taking people to the polls to ensure that our vote is made and our vote counts. And there is no alternative but Biden right now. And any talk of it is going to fall on political deaf ears of both the Republicans and the Democrats. And if you don't vote, that's a vote for Trump. And that's not changing, Roland. That's not going to change between now and November. So that's just a plain political uh, and social reality. Eugene. You know how idiotic this is? I'm going to tell you how idiotic this is. Joe Biden has had a plan for black people since he launched. All right? It's on his website. Everybody says, oh, Biden doesn't plan for black people. You literally just need to go look it up. And mm -hmm. Diddy employs thousands of people, and any of them could literally just went to Joe Biden's website and said, oh, shit, there's Joe Biden's plan. All right? And then this is the other part about it. It's not just his plan. 
as the election is going along, he's pulled pieces from all the other candidates until his black plan. He's taking pieces from Kamala's plan. He's taking pieces from Elizabeth Warren's plan. He's even now taking pieces from some of the things that Bernie Sanders has thrown out there. He has a black plan. And for P. Diddy and others to come back and say, oh, man, we're not going to do anything until Joe Biden comes and presents his black plan, they look idiotic and dumb because it's right there. <laughs> Go read. Vegan read. writing is not enough, Eugene. It has to be articulated. So Vegan allow writing me. is not enough. It's been articulated so, for a whole year. It has I been buy articulated it. in 20 I debates. Uh, I think Eugene... Are Eugene... Go that Biden did? He didn't articulate his plan? <laughs> All right. No. Okay. All right. So now, my turn. So first of all, I want you to play again what Diddy had to say yesterday. Press play. The black vote is not going to be for free. We're going to have to see some promises. You know, what are we getting in return for our vote? Nothing has changed for black America. And in order for us to vote for Biden, we can't be taken for granted like we always are because we're supposed to be Democrats or because people are afraid of Trump. It's whoever's going to take care of our community, whoever wants to make a deal, it's, it's, it's business at this point. You know, we can't trust politicians, you know, so we want to know very clearly, just like Trump made it clear that he wanted to build the wall, Biden needs to make it clear that he's going to change the lives and quality of life of black and brown people, or else he can't get the vote. I will hold the vote hostage if I have to. He said it here, said it first. Breaking news. Breaking news. So allow me to unpack that. Diddy said, first of all, that uh, what hasn't been done, the lives of African-Americans have not been improved. That's demonstrably not true. Problem is, it's some African-Americans. If you look at where African-Americans were, again, using uh, 1968, 1970 as the marker, and then going forward, uh, there has been some improvement. The reality is this, and this is where I think folks miss the boat here. The reality is this, how black people are, have been impacted economically, housing, education, health, cannot and will not be determined by one individual. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. We're talking about a complete infrastructure in this country, president, Congress, judicial, governors, state houses, county, city, school boards, the entire apparatus. So no one person actually impacts that. He is correct that there should be a demand. There should be a very clear demand made by voters. He's right. Evangelicals made it clear what they wanted from Trump. They accepted him and all of his hoeing ways. They accepted him and the porn stars. They accepted all the cheating on the, uh, on the wives because he said, I'm going porn, right-wing judges who are going to get rid of abortion. We know Donald Trump is actually pro-choice, but he will say whatever he needs to say to get, the, get their vote. What you also have here is that part of the problem is you have this fractured, this fractured leadership. Isaac Hayes III talking about, well, who goes and represents. Well, it's part of the deal. Does the NAACP have an agenda? Yes. Does the Urban League have an agenda? Yes. Do civil rights legal groups have an agenda? Yes. 
Does the CBC have an agenda? Yes. But then we get to this whole debate, well, they don't represent us, they don't represent us, they don't represent us. So then how in the hell do they get there? So who do they, re <laughs> so, so, so who do they represent? We act as if the NAACP doesn't have 2,000 chapters made up of regular, ordinary people. We act as if the National Urban League don't have branches. They do. We act as if uh, our civil rights organizations really aren't talking to anybody, but, but they are. And so part of this deal is, is we have this debate constantly, the black agenda, the black agenda, the black agenda, National Coalition of Black Civic Participation, <clears throat> Black Women's Roundtable, they got an agenda. They got an agenda. Sororities, fraternities, black uh, BYP 100, color of change, they got an agenda. I mean, all these groups have agendas. You have people who are, who are, uh, who are gay, who trans, church, conservative, who are sports, entertainment, media, I can go to every, all of them have agendas. The question then becomes, how, to Scott's point, how do you then mobilize and organize after the fact? Yep. See, that's the fundamental issue that I believe we keep missing. Let me take you back. I said the exact same thing. You can go back and read Essence Magazine, January 2009, where I wrote that we can't just be excited and think these things are going to happen just because Obama's there. Said it. Said it point blank. In fact, if you read my book, the first President Barack Obama's Road to the White House, as originally reported by Roland S. Martin. I wrote it in the book. Spike Lee, in my interview with him, says it, that these things are not going to magically happen just because you got a black president. It's what you do also after the fact, which now means how do you mobilize and organize? One of the fundamental issues that we have, folks, is also... How do we take our resources and then begin to say, move people? So let me, just, let me just give you an example. Where did Reverend Jackson really derive his power from? When he ran in 1984 and 88 and put two million new voters on the rolls. Mm -hmm. That is what elected Richard Shelby as a Democrat to the United States Senate in Alabama. Now, he later became a Republican. But if you go back, Richard Shelby was elected as a Democrat in Alabama due to the black vote. If you go back and study, especially 1988, you would discover a number of African-Americans who ran for sheriff, city council, county commissioner, state rep, state senator for the first time, and won. Because Reverend Jackson put to going out, registering people. Y'all, that, that, that's a tangible, that's a tangible number. See, saying I have millions of people 
on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, TikTok, does not actually translate into real power. Real power is when you're able to come to the table and say, if I go give this directive, they will follow. Right. Now, there's a real negotiation. After 2016, I had Bob Johnson on my TV One show, and he was talking about how African-Americans, how we need to work with Trump. And let me be real clear. Let me be real clear. Do I think Trump is awful? Absolutely. Do I think he is atrocious? Absolutely. But are we still constituents of the United States of America? You damn right. And so, therefore, we still deserve a seat at the table. Fine, we'll bring our own chair. So here's what I actually hope happens. And I go back to that Bob Johnson conversation. When I said, Bob, when are we going to create a black-specific fund whose sole job is to register, train, educate our people. Because what we cannot do is continue to have this conversation where we're waiting. This, this is us right here. Okay, uh, what, what's the candidate's going to do? What, what's the candidate's going to do? Um, uh, are, are the liberal groups, are they going to then put money into our voter registration efforts? No, here's the deal. Who are the five largest black get-out-the-vote entities in the country? I would say, sure, you got the NAACP here. Sure, you have the National Coalition Black Civic Participation. You got Black Voters Matter. You can also talk about uh, Dewan Thompson's group, uh, Be Woke. And then we could talk about a number of Smaller and smaller organizations that are in various states. So mm-hmm. the, the, it, the thing then becomes okay. So in order for us to hit a certain number, so so what is it? Like 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 what's the number? Like we we know this. There are two hundred and fifty thousand eligible but unregistered black people in South Carolina. We know there are about more than three hundred thousand in Georgia. There are nine hundred thousand eligible but unregistered black people excuse me, people in Alabama, 500,000 of them are African-American. There are several hundred thousand in Mississippi. Then what's the number in Florida? The reason Andrew Gillum is not governor of Florida today is because in the red counties in Florida... That's right. The turnout in those counties ranged from 65 to 75%. If you pull up the chart, you wouldn't, it would take you about 13 to 14 counties to get to the first blue county, and the number was 57%. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is, on one hand, you have education, mobilization, organization, registering people. First off, education, why voting matters. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm saying 
why voting matters. Then I'm explaining, I'm connecting the dots between federal, state, local. Because when somebody comes along and they say, well, local is really the most important thing, forget everything else, that's a lie. Because local is going to ask state for money. State is going to ask federal for money. Local is going to ask federal for money. So you can't say those things are separate and divorced. So now let me deal with it. So now you say, okay, fine. So how do we, how do we educate, empower, enlighten? Now, now I've got that. Now I've got to get you registered. Now I've got to get you to the polls, which now means how do we do it? Who are the people? What are the buses? What are the cars? How are we making it happen? Are we walking people? What's going on? So, so I'm, unpacking, I'm unpacking all these things. <clears throat> so now the question then becomes, is there a number? Is there a number? And that is, do these black organizations, based upon their budgets, and y'all, I talked to them, they all have budgets. They then say, we need $20 million in order to put 5 million people on the rolls. That's the number. So here's what I hope. I hope, because when Kenny Burns mentioned voter die, I hope really what the plan is for Diddy is before you get to the black agenda is that I create the entity or restart the entity mm-hmm. that serves the purpose that says we're going to study the map. We're going to target these 8, 10, 12, 14 states We might support existing entities, but we're going to fund black specific voter education, voter registration, voter turnout. And when you have the entity, you have the data, which means that you have the name, the phone number. I want y'all to go to the New York Times and read the story they did on Brad Parscale, the campaign manager for Donald Trump how they're using data to drive. Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden, if you're Diddy's entity and you bring in Killer Mike and you bring in T.I. and you bring in Gabrielle Union and you bring in Dwayne Wade and you bring in LeBron James and you bring in other singers, you bring in other entertainers, you bring in athletes, then you bring in, you join with the Black Economic Alliance, the black folks who are uh, partnering in the race. All of a sudden, then you begin. Now, all of a sudden, you have what is a black council. The black council then goes, all right, NAACP, this is what y'all are doing. Urbanly, this is what y'all are doing. This group, this is what y'all are doing. Now we have on the board what black America is doing in these different spaces as opposed to operating in silos and I'm competing with you. We don't need 30 black women's voter initiatives nationally. What we need is a handful are we now dispersing money and resources to various individuals? Folks, when you do that, then you're able to say, Joe Biden, let me holler at you. <laughs> Joe, just so you know, um, we're sitting on a database 
of 3.7 million people. Joe, in 2016, 2 there was a 2.4% drop in black voter turnout. Had Joe, had Hillary Clinton gotten the same number that Obama got in 2012, she would be president. You know you can't win without us. You know that it cost $1,000 to convert a voter that don't like you, meaning a Republican, versus it's cheaper to convert, to get somebody who's already more in line with you, and that ranges from $20 to $50 in terms of y'all, in terms of how you target them with ads, things along those lines. Now, all of a sudden, this thing goes beyond a video with Naomi Campbell. It goes beyond a post on Instagram to what is the most important thing, and that is infrastructure. That is how you're able to move. What Lyndon Baines Johnson did not want is for Dr. King to roll up in the White House with 10,000 people outside the gates. The reason Reverend Jackson was so successful when he dealt with companies in the 60s and 70s and 80s, especially with Operation Breadbasket. And if y'all please go read uh, Demi's book on this. They did not want 200 preachers in Chicago taking to their pulpits and announcing that we're not gonna buy from this store. You cannot make threats unless you have an organized entity that stands behind you. If you make a threat and there's nobody behind you, they will laugh at you because they know there's no one behind you. Exactly. To put it simply, you ever seen somebody walk up to somebody else talking all kind of smack because they think they boys are behind them? <laughs> and then they say, me and my... Now everything changes because they now realize ain't no backup. What I hope we now focus on is not video that Diddy posted, not the comments of Kenny Burns or Jamie Foxx or the several thousand people who posted. I want to focus on organization, infrastructure. How do we fund it? How do we target our people where we're not waiting on anybody else? Mm -hmm. That is how you then use leverage. Because no politician wants to, say, wants to be in a situation where when they go give a speech, 5,000 or 10,000 people are showing up protesting mm -hmm. them. They don't mm -hmm. want to have a situation where, like gay folks did who were in the military, who chained themselves to the fence when Obama was president? Yeah. Do you also remember when the DACA folks stormed one of Obama's campaign offices in Ohio and took it over? Y'all yeah, remember that? That's how those things happened. 2010, LGBT folks, Obama wasn't sitting here moving on Don't Ask, Don't Tell. They closed their checkbooks. Guess what happened after the slaughter in 2010 of the midterms? 
Obama came out and said, we got to get Don't Ask, Don't Tell passed by Congress. By December, it had been repealed by Congress. So, how do black people use their pocketbooks? Y'all, this is politics. This is how it's done. Now, let's see what happens next. <clears throat> next, Killer Mike. Next, other folks involved. If there is no plan, all this was was simply a moment. You want to have leverage, you got to build a movement. I'll be back on Rollerbart Unfiltered in just a moment. You want to support Rollerbart Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down the, it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they make these about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look so there you go. So uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these Shibori pocket squares, we have them in 47 different colors. All you got to do is go to RollingThisMartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So it's RollingThisMartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, that goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brenda Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. All right, folks, welcome back. I meant to hit this button. Go to my iPad, please. Eugene made this point. It's right there. Y'all see right there? Joe Biden's agenda for the black community. It's right there. If you click the button, you will see what is on here. Okay? 
create wealth in the black community, invest in our community through housing, protect and build on Obamacare, invest in our students and educators, support education beyond high school, invest in the clean energy revolution and environmental justice, make a transformational investment in our country's infrastructure, strengthen the right to vote, strengthen America's commitment to justice, end violence against women. Those are what's on that agenda. Real quick, I'm going to go to our panel before I go to my next guest. It's, it's there, Cleo, but you said, though, you got to communicate it. Okay, Cleo, how do you do it? You make it a part of the discussion when you're running for president. You make it something that you demonstratively break down for your audience while you're being a candidate, while you're trying to prove yourself to the people that you want to vote for you in, not, in, in terms that are undeniable. That is sitting on a website is not good enough. That is there is good, but it's not good enough. So you're, saying, people, so you're saying he's never discussed it? Well, I don't know if he's never discussed it. I haven't watched every debate. I haven't watched all of Joe Biden's moves. Right, but 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 and, but, 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 but if you're saying he needs to do this, but you haven't seen the debates, how do you know he hasn't done it? Well, because the ones I have seen it, he hasn't done it enough for me. Hold on, you said enough so, for me, which means he's done it, but he does it enough. So which one is it? He has it or he's not done it enough? Okay, I'm saying two things. One is I have not followed all of his movements. He might have done something, is very likely he's done something that I've never seen. When I have seen him debate, I have not seen him or any of the candidates talk about issues <clears throat> wrong to black people in ways that were made it real clear that they had our back. Well, part of and this is what I'll say, uh, Eugene. Part of that problem is that's I what that, no, but that but that's also what happens when you also don't have discussions, uh, where you don't have debates uh, or town halls on black networks where black people are. I mean, let's just let's just cut to the chase, y'all. You're not going to have those conversations in depth on mainstream networks that are white control. You're not. So, I mean, we so we can it's like we want these things to happen on MSNBC, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, ABC. that ain't happening. So, part of the issue here is, which I've been saying, I'm going to need black networks to also wake the hell up to to share that kind of information for our people. I just I just want one black network to have a damn town hall with Joe Biden or even Trump. Give me one. Enrolling, that, that is not a curse. <laughs> it does, and recognize, and the black people have a reaction to that. But I'll I want to say, real, so they'll probably, if I may. Real quick, but I'm going to Eugene and Scott. Since, ever since I've known of you, you have been able to brilliantly address political issues. What you just got finished breaking down was all true. I support it. It was brilliant. If anybody actually follows step of what you recommended, we would be in good shape. There's some place, there's some perspectives and states of mind in the black community that maybe one day we'll deal with that have an impact on how black people respond, as particularly black males. I said before on your show that there's a lot of black males who are going to support Trump and or who are going to talk like P. Diddy in terms of being neutral and need somebody to prove something to them. There's a perspective, there's a reaction to a hostile environment that black people, men live in that this society and that Democrats has not resolved. Got it. The, the police brutality, the, the portraying media, the criminality, the over-incarceration, et cetera, has not been resolved, and there has not been a Democratic Party speaker that with some power and clout that's act like they care about that issue enough to change it. So, along with what I just how I described Obama earlier, these things have a cumulative effect that throws a wrench in whether people should trust Biden or anybody else or not, and they have to prove themselves, and they usually don't. And because they don't, that's why black people don't go to the polls. They Got went it. to the polls 
Obama because he was black. All right, uh, Eugene, then Scott, and then I'm going to my next guest. Go, Eugene. The thing is this, um, you know, a black network eventually has to step up. And, and with proper planning, it actually could be a, a cost-neutral situation. Um, it would have been a cost-neutral situation because, you know, you're going to have sponsors that are going to set up and want that airtime. Um, and it, it didn't happen in this cycle. It absolutely, 2022, 2024, it absolutely has to happen. Scott? Uh, one of the Democratic presidential debates was at a historical black college. On ABC. It was, a, it was on ABC. It was, a damn, it was a damn disgrace that the that that the whatever you define as the African American agenda or issues important to African American was not discussed. Well, in fact, you, last... you you actually had a much deeper discussion about black people at the debate that was on ABC that was in New Hampshire versus mm -hmm. the one that was at Texas Southern University. Uh, I was exactly. there. You're absolutely right. Go ahead. That's right. And the, the last debate where there was more than two candidates, there was a substantive debate. Almost each candidate who didn't look like anybody on this network trying to put forth their African-American bona fides on a litany of issues, which was really surprising. I think all of the Democratic presidential candidates had an agenda uh, in writing, but also in their discussions. But remember, the first three, <laughs> you didn't get to South Carolina where you had black people in the majority voting. So I think what Biden's attraction, or why Biden is attractive to African-Americans is not just Barack Obama, but he's been there and he's comfortable talking about these issues. He doesn't talk to black people or at them. He talks to them because of his years of public service, and that's why they trust him. That's why he won South Carolina, and that's why he's going to be the Democratic nominee. We cannot ignore that nor can we hold him or anyone else to some racial litmus test on perfection, because he's imperfect as well. So uh, I think he was convincing. I think all the Democratic candidates were convincing. But, Roland, you said something about the definition of power. Your soliloquy or your presentation earlier was a definition of power, not just political power, but any power, and that is accountability. And so I think our work with, with Biden and the Democratic Party generally has to be about that organization build-out. So uh, I think we're going to be in good shape and better shape, but black people got to vote in massive numbers, but not I just register. But bottom line is you can't vote unless you... You can't get to them to vote unless you register them. You can't register exactly. them unless you educate and get them to talk about why, what they care about, and what matters to them, and so it all goes hand in hand. Of course, we talk about the importance of media, and my next guest last year launched a new mobile app called HBCU Go. Uh, it promised original content, such as sports, music, entertainment, movies, uh, edutainment, and live events. Uh, there have been some challenges in getting his content off the ground. Joining me right now is uh, talk, to talk about some of the problems that content creators face, Curtis Simons. He is the founder of HBCU Go TV. Uh, Curtis, glad to have you here. Um, we were talking, of course, just that conversation there. Again, why black platforms matter, the kind of conversations that we have. Uh, and so, uh, you, uh, you, you first of all try, try to start a uh, HBCU uh, cable channel. Uh, that did not uh, go quite well. And so, um, what are you now doing and uh, how have you been able to move the needle? Well, I think what you said earlier and what the panel has been talking about is, is, is some direction. Number one, you need that platform that has a channel that talks a little bit about what is into it for, for our society, our culture. 
because one of the things that I think in this whole uh, political ball game is, is, is money is the game, but the more important thing is, is we are the game. And we have to start believing within ourselves how powerful we are. And as many of you gentlemen laid out uh, in what I was hearing over the last half an hour, I think there's a lot of different things in the agenda. And then I think Roland laid out very, very clearly, you know, what it takes. The problem that I think we've got to work on as a, as a family is pulling all of us together. We just work in silos. And when you have comments like Diddy's come out, you know, then it shows exactly how separated we are and how we're not linked together to really try to grow the matter. Now, what I've done is, like you were saying, Roland, I've created not only the app now, but I've got a HBCU Go TV digital channel. So we just got up in February on Roku, and we plan to be up on Amazon in, uh, in another month and also on Apple TV. And we plan to open up that door and that platform to start being that voice for you and about you. You know, with my uh, education of working 14 plus years at BET and executive by president marketing, you know, I learned the value of what we bring to the table because I saw a lot of things that you were saying about Jesse and, and other things early on and how we definitely did not build the platform that could have been built and we could have early on as BT in its early days should have been the Obama of black, of, of black media. I mean, we should have been more of a force, but we went a different route, unfortunately. So I think that my new HBCU Go channel will begin to be that, that platform that you're looking for. And as you were talking about the town hall meetings, we were just talking about that in creating better town hall meetings on HBCU campuses so we can talk about this issue because we understand the value of that vote. You know, so this channel will be dealing with a lot of that in the area of education, entertainment, sports, lifestyle, fraternities, and really talking about the value of HBCU schools. I mean, one of the things that I'm tired of hearing, a graduate of Central State University in Ohio, I'm tired of hearing the word that HBCU schools are not valued, because we are. And that's the one thing that this channel will be out there to drive more of that and educate more people on that value. So the, um, the uh, and I think we have some issues with your video, so hopefully we'll get that straight. So okay. the app uh, is, so, okay, so folks out there who are watching, so the name of the app, is it HBO Go or HBO To Go? HBO Go. I'm sorry, HBCU sorry, Go. Yeah, no, yeah, HBCU Go, yes. HBCU Go, all right, let's go, let's see here. Um, okay, Henry, go to my iPad. Um, so HBCU Go, a hang time experience. I'm here on the uh, App Store. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it lays out exactly. So let's go ahead and do this here. We'll go ahead and uh, download uh, the app. Uh, we'll take a take a look at that and uh, see what's going on. And okay, so let's see here. So let's uh, do 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 do. Let's uh, download that. Uh, and so. You, so what's uh, so I see on here, uh, you say it's free to play and everyone has a chance to win special prizes. Watch the entertainment produced, best entertainment produced by millennial content producers from the campuses. HBCU Hang Time connects friends and meets new people. You can also watch video content up close and tune in with English or Spanish commentary. Yes, the goal, the goal with the app, it was an organization out of New Jersey that helped me build this app. And really, it was really more, the app was built more, as you heard this, the word hang time, more as a, so, a social type where you would have groups that could come in. So when we're creating the app around different schools, if you're an HBCU alumnus, for say, for Central State University, 
you could time in with your group and create conversations within the group about different things. And we were trying, basically trying to grow that between the, the 105 historical black colleges and along with provide content that we felt would be adequate to that, uh, to that, to the universities. Now, what we've extended is, is gone and created a digital channel. If you get a chance, uh, or you can go to our website, Roland, and go to hbcugo.tv, and you can go to our website, and you can see some of the programming that we're running now on our Roku app, you know, if you want to check that out. Guys, uh, so you have app in the App Store, Google Play, Roku, what, what other devices? Apple TV? Apple TV and uh, Amazon. Okay. How many folks have actually signed up thus far? Well, right now, we, 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 since we're free to, the, uh, we've had it up since uh, on the Roku since February. All I can tell you right now is we, we're in front of 60 million homes, and the number we got is that we've got almost about three to 4,000 have been chiming in on it. Okay. Curtis Simons, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Roland. Thank you. I think, uh, real quick for our panel here, Eugene, I'm going to go to you. Um, this is, you know, the, the reality is this here. We as African Americans are driving content, driving mm -hmm. development um, on so many other platforms, but we also have to get to a point where we are looking at what is okay. ours. One of the reasons I created this segment every Wednesday to talk about black tech is because we need to understand what's happening with us out there that we own, that we control. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's on us to bring value to our platforms and to our avenues. And, and look, that's how, you, that's how you build a legacy. That's how you build channels of communication, channels of media that you control, that you can, you know, get information out there. You know, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, we went through it after, you know, the News One Now situation. And, and here we are. We own, you know, you own this. You know, this is our media. This is our network. And, and the thing is this, you know, black content creators, you know, as drivers of a lot of these platforms, have to, you know, there has to be a, a way figured out that you're going to be where, where you can, you know, where, you know, on some cases you have the freedom to create what you want, how you want, but in the other cases, your content is protected in a totally different way than it won't be in other uh, platforms. All right, then let's go to uh, Cleo. Cleo, uh, your just thoughts again uh, on why these black tech platforms matter. The black, the black, the platformers matter a lot. Um, black people have never had any dearth in genius, talent, capacity. Where we have a dearth is one thing you mentioned a lot, Roland, which is so important, is being trained to be progressive, being trained to be thoughtful, having a critical analysis about cause and effect and the importance of voting and the macro outcome of voting beyond just the president and including the president. Uh, our children, frankly, in too many cases, are not raised to win. They're raised to get a job, they're raised to go to school and work for somebody, and they're raised, they're raised to be an employer and a pawn. We don't raise our children generally to be powerful, to love themselves, to be self-sufficient, and to be leaders, and to have the backs of Black people. I used to be a consultant to Morehouse College about, I don't know, some years ago. Well, I got to edit what I was going to say because I, I already said too much. Well, the bottom line is this. Our students and even HBCUs are being trained to be great students. Some of them do well academically, some of them excel intellectually, but a lot of our students are not, sell, not excelling in terms of learning to value being black. You already know that 
when it comes to alumni donating to their own schools, when it comes to a lot of HBCUs, a lot of students relative to other schools are not giving back because from my perspective, they question the value of anything because it's black. There's people who, as brilliant as you are and as important as your, as your show blatantly and material, materially is, there's people because of its cosmetics are questioning its worth who are black. Part of our work toward getting black people to get beyond the rut that some of us are in, in this instance, in terms of voting and, and taking it and making sure whoever's president is accountable to us, is that we have to look at these and, and unpack these emotional, self-conceptual paralysis that we have that gets in the way of us taking care of ourselves. Because no matter how brilliant you are intellectually, if you're culturally broke, or self-conceptually in question about your worth, you're not going to get up and take the advice that you just gave, which is winning advice. So in closing, we have to start doing the work on Black self-conceptual health and getting Black people to unlearn anti the anti-Black unconscious so we can learn to be proactive and be powerful like everybody else because like these platforms are available to us, there's always been something available to us that we didn't necessarily utilize because there's too many of us rolling who are in question of our worth and who are subject to concern about the white gaze. I'm talking about G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S. We're concerned about a white gaze and whether it's going to approve us or not or have backlash or not. And that kind of mindset gets in the way of us having the power to take advantage of our genius and what we have in our, in our very reach as a people including these platforms. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you, although I would say that HBCUs uh, certainly try to address that issue uh, when you're competing not against each other, but against people that don't look like you in the, in the workspace, uh, because you certainly don't get it at majority schools, but that's a, that's a, a longer they discussion. They don't get it at some HBCUs too, Scott. Pardon me? There's some there's, they don't get it at some HBCUs, too. Some HBCUs are black learning centers that are predominantly black. But they're not, one professor told me one time, he said, we, put, we create great students. Our students do well intellectually, but they don't necessarily do well as soldiers for black power, economic power, and political power. Final they comment. Don't have a, All right, Scott, Scott, final comment real quick. Well, I mean, black tech... We don't have a reputation. All we hear, there are not enough black people in, in, in tech, and that's just certainly not true. But the importance of black tech in this segment and, and what you're doing is that we tell our stories, not his story. And we are so disconnected and disaffected, it connects us to each other, to excellence, to trailblazers, or even just the average uh, black man and black woman. So that's super important. Most people get their news and information from where? Technology and the internet. They don't get it from newspapers or even mainstream networks or TV networks anymore. And so you you way ahead of the game, and we want more people to be doing what you're doing going forward. Next Wednesday, I had a conversation with him today, all the chatter about, you know, the uh, the battle between Teddy Riley and Babyface, well, guess what? Teddy will be with us next week and wait till you hear him talk about the tech platform that he has that can, where those future battles can take place. Uh, Eugene, Scott, Cleo, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Folks, uh, when we come back from this break, Wild or Not Wednesday, gotta have a little fun. Comedian Alicia Cooper's up next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? 
youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Fam, on this day, seven years ago, Reverend Dr. William Barber, along with 16 others, were arrested at the North Carolina State Legislature for protesting for voting rights in public schools, the assault on the poor and unemployed, and those who are without health care. This led to the first Moral Monday. They, of course, changed uh, North Carolina uh, for in a good way, still fighting the good fight. And so, big shout-out to Reverend Dr. William J. Barber and all other folks, repairs of the breach, NAACP, and others who were fighting for what's right there in the state of North Carolina, and that thing is spread all across the world. All right, folks, every Wednesday, we try to have a little fun, have a little light when it comes to our segment, Wild Not Wednesday. Joining us right now is Alicia Cooper. She's a comedian and filmmaker uh, who joins us now. Alicia, how you doing? I'm good, Roland. How are you? Doing great. You also got a new film dropping on Friday. It's called Trade... Yes. All right, y'all. And I'm so excited about it. Here's a clip. It's a psychological thriller. Here's a clip. It's your first time in? No. I did six months up in juvie. That's my first time in prison, though. My wife is a doctor, and I have two beautiful kids in private school. Any of these are cellmate. He doesn't have any family. He never has visitors. That's so sad. I'm so happy we got this place. Just give me a call as soon as you get this place. Come on. Come on. Fuck your money! come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household. All right, Alicia, where, where are folks will they be able to see the movie? They'll be able to see it on a new streaming service called Urban Flicks. U-R-B-A-N-F-L-I-X. They can see it on their laptop. There's a seven-day free trial starting this Friday, which is the same day you can see the movie. Urban Flicks. Yeah, and you can get it on Roku, your okay. app on your phone or your laptop. All right, I, did I see Buddy Lewis in one of those scenes? Yes, you did. <laughs> why, why, why the hell would you uh, have a charity case in your movie? Was he free? Let me tell you. Was he free? <laughs> he was not free. And Buddy was actually an executive producer. But let me tell you, Roller, the first time I came to L.A. in 1996, Buddy was running the belly room of the comedy store, and I begged him to put me up first, and I bombed. Buddy went up behind me and ripped, making fun of me bombing. And he brought the room back. And, and I never forgot it. And we ended up working together on Magic Johnson's late night talk show. And I reminded Buddy, I said, I'm the one you fried that night for bombing. And Buddy and I have been friends ever since. <laughs> well, Buddy's an Omega. He bomb all the time. So, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I I'm going to send him a text in a second. Uh, my goodness, my goodness. All right, so uh, we've been sitting here looking at all the craziness that's been going on. Uh, so here's the deal. Somebody put this out today. Uh, that, that I think The Root did. They said, if there was a Michael Jackson-Prince battle, who would win? Now, 
folks got mm. mad at me, I'm sorry. Mike, I think Prince and Michael will go head-to-head on the fast stuff. It's going to be over once you get the slow stuff. Michael Jackson right. ain't got no got enough slow slow jams to compete no. with Prince. Sorry. No, no. I, me and you are on the same page with that. A door? How can you beat a door? Insatiable? Like, Prince, oh, like, I, oh my I, I ain't never been with, with a woman who said, baby, no. put on that Michael no. Jackson slow jam. <laughs> that, that ain't never happened. <laughs> yep, even Michael, yeah, no. Yeah, you and me are on the same page with that. There's no competition. Now, the fast records, Michael got you. You know, we you know, we got to admit, though, there was only one of them that we used to dress like, and that was Michael Jackson. We all had that beaded jacket with the 74 zippers, wasn't a pocket, nowhere I, on the jacket. I, I don't know, because here's the deal. There are only two... There, there are only two groups... There are only two groups slash artists who could, who could dictate your dress code. Frankie Beverly and Mays and Prince. You gonna wear purple. Mm-hmm. I mean... Your ass grown. You ain't wearing all them damn zippers on your jacket. We 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 wore the Michael Jackson. I know, hell no. Nah. We wore the Michael Jackson. I, I went to the Jacksons' oh. victory tour concert in Houston. <laughs> I wasn't wearing them damn high water ass pants with some white socks showing and a zip red ass zipper jacket. That wasn't gonna. I'm just letting you know that wasn't gonna happen. So. I mean, but I will agree that Prince Common did an entire color. We know that Prince owns purple. Right. We, we we completely know. He took he took purple before the color purple. If you if right, you went to a Prince concert, you wore purple. You go to a oh, Mays yeah. concert, white linen will sell out in the city. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you got it rolling. <laughs> so how how are you dealing with this quarantine? Oh, I'm not dealing with it. My fingernail. Look at my fingernails rolling. I mean, just this is so sad. I got a unibrow, a beard, a mustache. Ain't nothing cute going on around here. You know, this quarantine is killing me. I'm used to having my feet in the street. As soon as I leave out for essentials, I start sweating already because I swear I got the wrong. I've been out the house two minutes and I got it. I'm like, and I'm running back in the house. This is sad. This is worse than any horror movie we've ever seen. Well, so I just, I. So how I'm saying, why, why can't you just go to YouTube and learn how to do your own nails? YouTube, because I already got to go to YouTube and learn how to do my own hair. There's a few things that come in front of that. I mean, I'm I'm YouTube tutorial meals. I've never cooked this much in my life, bro. Look, I okay, okay. I keep hearing women complain about hair. That's why they make hats. You at the house? Who the hell gonna see you? <laughs> and let me tell, you, I've been living like ain't nobody gonna see me. You know, I don't understand. It's been real sad. Hey, hey, look, Jan Jackson look cute as hell in the baseball cap. I'm just saying, look, I've seen some sexy women in the baseball cap. It's a hat. I don't understand why y'all women keep freaking out about this coronavirus. Can't get your hair done. Wear a hat. Y'all can wear church hats. Y'all gonna get you a Dorothy Height church hat. You can get you some baseball hats. Uh, you can get a helmet. You can get a construction hat. I don't understand what the problem is with y'all and, 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 and like, like somehow your life is going in because you can't go see Tamika doing your hair. <laughs> you know, I just think we got into this, this um, routine. You know, and anytime your routine is shook up, you get shook up. But one thing about this coronavirus, we are learning a whole new way of living. I've gotten so much accomplished in these last six weeks. I'm writing. I'm doing all kinds of stuff I never would have done 
that, you know, had this coronavirus not here. So in a way, it's turned out to be a good thing. You get to reconnect with family members you haven't had time to talk to. It's, it's, it's going to, in the long run, we're all going to look back on this time and realize it was actually a good thing. Well, again, that's why I can't keep, keep, just keep trying to explain to people. I mean, I don't think people look at this whole thing wrong. Uh, they say, do you realize how much money sisters are saving by not going to get their hair did every two weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm watching my checking account increase because I can't go spend nothing. So, yeah, I can't get my nails done, my toes done, my brows done. We are. We sisters. We, we can go invest in some stock after this thing is over because we, we can't spend I know husbands are real excited that their wives can't spend. But you know what? We done also figured out how to get online. I done bought all kinds of cockamamie stuff online because I can't get out the house. I done bought some exercise equipment that looked plum crazy because I can't get out the house. So we done found another way to spend. Okay, you bought some exercise equipment. Have you used it? Well, it just came two days ago. No, I have not used it. It looks crazy. But I'm going I'm to I'm use it. It's purple. I don't I'm use it. I understand. It's... It's purple? It's purple. Oh, so you didn't get one dressed up like Michael Jackson? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, so, I, I had nothing glittery. Okay, I don't understand. How how coming two days ago, is it still in the box? No, it's out of the box and it's out of the wrapping. It's um, it's this little thing where you put your feet in it and you pull back. So you're, so you're doing sit-ups and there's other things you can do. Yeah, it, Alicia, it has like, oh, it's called a rowing machine. No, but it's not that good. It's 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 not that. That sounds more um more expensive than what I got. What I got was like thirty dollars. You put your feet in like bicycle things, and then you pull back on this tension rod. So it ain't that expensive. So what you're saying is, you bought you a cheap ass piece of exercise equipment that likely That's what I'm that likely don't work the moment you pull it out of the box. <laughs> But when you're addicted to spending, spending, it all it all makes sense at the time. I I I I I I I, I can't I can't adapt. I can't. I, I don't even know what that. I don't even know what the hell that is. I don't even know. Uh, all right. So you cooking more? You writing more? Yeah. I yes. Uh, all right. What else you working on? Um, working on some new material. Working on some new material. Us stand ups. Comedy is still our bread and butter. So working on some new material, so whenever we can hit the stage, we can hit the stage. I lost so much work that first couple of weeks. I was headed to the Tahoe Improv on a Wednesday. They called us on Monday, said, said uh, Tahoe was closed down. I said, good golly, Miss Molly. So, yeah, I'm ready to get back out and hit the stage, so I'm working on some new material. All right, then. Well, first of all, where can folks reach you? Where can they cash app you? Uh, what's your info? My cash app is T-R-I-U-M as in Mary, F as in Frank, A-N-T. And they can reach me on AliciaCooper.com. They can reach me on Instagram, Alicia Cooper, and Twitter, Alicia Cooper. All right. Well, that movie comes out on Friday. Tell everybody again where they can watch it. They can watch it on Urban Flicks, U-R-B-A-N-F-L-I-X. All right. Alicia, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. Always good talking to you. All right, have a good one. All right, folks, uh, before we go, before we go, uh, I want to be sure to read off the names of the folks who have supported our show. Uh, we certainly appreciate uh, what they do. And so uh, let me go ahead and find the email here. My man Keenan sent me the email uh, with the names. 
Uh, if you do not hear your name, just simply send us an email. We'll get that thing taken care of uh, right quick and in a hurry. Uh, and so where is the doggone email, y'all? Okay, let me go to it right here. Let me go to it right, right cheer. All right, y'all. Here are the names of the folks. Uh, Anisha Newell, Casey Pitts. Uh, Sharna Washington, Cheryl Bloomfield, Crystal Chester, Darnie Stanfield, David Logan, Deborah McNair, Don Perrion-Smith, George Brown, Joe Curtis Grubbs Jr., Karen Paris, Land Communications Corp., Love to Praise Ministries, Mark Wheeler, Monique Dream, uh, Norvell uh, Molex Jr., Rhonda Dudley, Roosevelt Carey, Sahira Threats, and Vonda Jackson. Folks, if you want to support our Bring the Funk fan club, all you got to do uh, is our goal is to get 50 First of all, 20,000 our followers, contributing 50 bucks or more for the year. Comes out to $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Support what we do, giving you the kind of information you're not going to get uh, anywhere else with our experts, with our guests. Uh, that's what we're all about here. Folks, go to Cash App, dollar sign right there, RM Unfiltered, RM Unfiltered, okay? Dollar sign RM Unfiltered, filtered on Cash App. If you're watching on YouTube, you can support us as well by giving right there on our YouTube channels. I see more than 3,000 of you are watching uh, uh, today, uh, so y'all can give right there. Also, yeah, uh, actually, folks, Godfrey's going to be on the show Friday. Godfrey's going to be on Friday. PayPal is paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, paypal.me forward slash R. Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, it has been absolutely out. Oh, you want to pay with a credit card? Go to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Uh, we can use Square to do so. So, uh, appreciate it. So, you give right now, I'll give you a shout out tomorrow right here on the show. So, we appreciate everybody who's given, no matter how much you contributed, because you make this show possible, and we certainly appreciate it. All right, folks. I'm going to see you guys tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Got a great thing for you tomorrow. I got a sister who is going, she has created her own virtual reality headset. Friday, there's going to be the first virtual reality comedy show featuring D.O. Heatley, Chris Spencer, and others. The creator of that, a sister, she'll be with us tomorrow. Her site is called seek.com, C-E-E-K.com. Don't want to miss that conversation. See you tomorrow. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.